us whether we're Christians or not have things in life that we'll admit it we have things that we could praise God for you know I remember even before I surrendered my life to Christ and accepted that gift of eternal life I remember I was in some pretty tight spots and some pretty bad situations and my old life could have been snuffed out just like many of yours but I had a praying mama a praying aunt praying had several praying aunts <laughs> I had one aunt blind as a bat couldn't see nothing but she could see everything in the spirit realm ain't Sybil it's a true story she stayed on her knees praying so much she couldn't wear hose she had calluses on her knees there's some of y'all here who knew her she called my mama one morning and she said, Maxine, I don't know what's going on down there with Dennis Wayne. And I was lost as a goose in the snowstorm, I can tell you that. She said, I don't know what's going on down there with Dennis Wayne. I've been up all night praying for him. But I want you to know he's going to be all right. And about 10 minutes after that phone call, I told out an 18-wheeler that I should have never walked away from. Should have been dead. Broke my neck. Broke my wrist. And I won't get into all of that. But I had so many wake-up calls. I had so many another chance. I had so many opportunities to make things right, but I just didn't. Wish I would have. That's one of the biggest regrets I have in my life. In fact, the two biggest regrets I have in my life is that I waited, one, I waited so long to come to Christ. And two, is those that I negatively influenced to do wrong. I regret both of those more than anything else. But we all could pay tribute to this God that loves us in spite of us. And that while we were yet sinners, he loved us and gave himself for us and died for us. Then we come to know Christ and the joy of the Lord is our salvation. And man, we get on fire and we can run through a troop and jump over a wall. And we on spiritual cloud nine and just bring it on. And life happens. Our balloon gets popped. We become tired. We become drained emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally. We become like David. Where we cry out to God and we go, Man, my prayers ain't even getting through the ceiling. Where is God? Why ain't He hearing me? Why ain't my circumstance changing? What's going on? What's happening? And we get caught up in the moment. And we begin to magnify the problem. And we begin to magnify the old devil's out to get me. And we, instead of magnifying this God that's so grand and glorious, this God that's faithful even to the end, this God that has all power in heaven and earth, we lose sight of that. 
And we let our all leak out and we let our joy escape. And sometimes we come to church and we don't even really want to go to church, but we go. Sometimes we sing and we join the worship team and we worship and praise God because it's a sacrifice of praise. I'm having a sacrifice. I no more feel like singing than a man in the moon. Anybody in here, do you like that like me or am I the only sucker in here? I want you to understand, this walk with God is not based on feelings. It's not based on sight. It's based on God's word and him being faithful to watch over his word to perform it in your life. And when you find yourself in that spiritual drought, that spiritual desert, when you find yourself drained, I'm going to give you a cure for that tonight. If you'll give me three to five minutes, we'll be done, we'll be gone. Y'all think you're lying. Look at your watch. Time me. It's 7.33. This is what the Lord has dropped in my heart. In fact, uh, let's make that seven or eight minutes. How about that? <laughs> Only because I decided to read more passage. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 23. Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon possessed, and epileptics and paralytics and he healed them. And great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and beyond the Jordan, chapter 5. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you, they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I want to look at verse 6, and that's all I'm going to talk about tonight. That passage of scripture is known as the Beatitudes, by the way. And the Beatitudes is, verse, is chapters 5, 6, and 7. If you really want to study that one sermon, it covers three, three chapters. Chapter 5, 6, and 7. And you need to go home, and over the next week or so, you need to, to let chapter 5, 6, and 7 get in your heart and in your spirit and in your mind and you need to think on it, dwell on it and ask God to give you revelation and inspiration from it. But I want to focus tonight on, chapter, on verse 6 
Because we're talking about being in that dry and desolate place. We're talking about not feeling the joy of your salvation, although we're not to walk by feelings. We somehow let that influence us pretty regularly, don't we? Our feelings. And I'm going to tell you how to fix that because God's Word just did. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Most of the people that attend churches, even shut-ins that love the Lord, most have lost the hunger and the thirst for righteousness. Righteousness is a word that is seldom used anymore. I've been addressing this quite regularly here lately and don't anybody think I'm picking on you because I'm preaching to me too. In that the society in which we live somehow has drifted away from the days of old when it was preached righteousness and holiness and living a clean and pure lifestyle. And somehow we've drifted over here to where it's any and everything goes. Eat, drink, and be merry. We've lost conviction of sin. Thank God I'm not here to judge anybody but Dennis. I am supposed to judge me. And you're supposed to judge you. And I'm calling on open range to return to a place of seeking the righteousness of God so that you can truthfully say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, a brand new creation in Him. Old things passed away. And behold, all things have become new. You see, when you receive the gift of salvation and when the Spirit of God comes to live in you, there's supposed to begin to be an outward visible change. If you're still living a lifestyle the way that you were prior to coming to Christ and people don't see a change in you, your testimony will be nothing. Now it's up to God and if you will honestly and openly seek God he will form in you the convictions of rights and wrongs and do's and don'ts. You won't have to adhere to that list that man has made. Because God wants to teach you. He doesn't want you confused. He doesn't want you just Blowing about here, yonder, and there. He wants you to have direction to your life, purpose to your life, meaning to your life, and power in your life. And how does that happen? By hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I heard it put this way today. I heard a man talking about his daughter came in, a Cajun family. Most Cajuns can really cook. And his daughter came in and she was talking about, I'm starving to death. What's he got to eat? Let's eat. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. 
Well, the mama says, well, I got some uh, red beans and rice in the freezer. I've got some gumbo. I've got some jambalaya. Named off several things that you had in the freezer that she could already cook. All she had to do is take it out and defrost it, microwave it, thaw it out, and eat that stuff. Nah, I don't want any of that stuff. And the daddy heard the conversation. He said, well, then you ain't hungry. About 30 minutes later, the daughter coming in, she says, you know, I think I'd like some of those red beans and rice. You see... Unfortunately, most Christians have approached the table of God as a buffet. And we pick and choose the things that we want and we walk away from the things that we don't want. But when we come, become hungry and when we become thirsty for righteousness, what's that next line? It says, they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We'd rather just come in and approach God like Santa Claus and tell him what we want and give him our list and go about our business. Come to church, hope the preacher will preach a sermon that will get me through to next week. Or that somebody will... I don't have my phone on me. Thank God I don't know how to put it on silent. So I have to leave it. That maybe somebody will text me uh, one of those scriptures of the day. That boy it will just ring my bell and get me through the day. You're missing my point. All those things are good. But you need to become a seeker of God. And His righteousness. For He says this. When you search for me with all your heart, you'll find me. Bow your heads. You're in this place today and you say, Dennis.